Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, February 18th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Talk Back Tuesday. A ton of questions, many of them long. We're going to get into them very quickly, but first, want to give you a little bit of some information before we start doing the questions. Of course, how to get in touch, that's very important for next week's and for beyond. If you just want to email me in the middle of the week, totally fine as well. LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. The voicemail, 708-653-0572. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account is at jayzawoski 670 And the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which dropped on Monday night. If you missed it, check it out. Good stuff on there. So make sure you listen to that too. And a reminder, this Friday, my Madhouse partner James Naveau and I will be watching the Hawks game with you live on the Hot Mic app. Download that at hotmic.io or in your app store. Enter the promo code MADHOUSE and come and watch the Hawks game Friday night with me and James Naveau. It's going to be a ton of fun. One more little thing. This is episode 97 of Lockdown Blackhawks. I have something really special planned for episode 100. I'm not going to reveal it just yet. I might reveal it on Thursday. I might keep it a surprise, but you're not going to want to miss Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, the 100th episode. I have a very special guest lined up for that podcast. All right, so without further ado, let's get to the questions. Again, lots of questions, many of them long. I know there's a lot on everybody's mind, so bear with us. We're going to get through them all because uh, you took the time to write me. I'm going to take the time to answer your questions. So the first one comes from TJ in Atlanta. TJ says, the penalties and calls in the last three games have been atrocious. This was written earlier in the week. The hand pass, the sealer roughing, the Taves calls against Winnipeg, the Taves trip call where the ref actually tripped the player. Why is Jeremy Cowton not losing his mind? I mean, I appreciate a good coach cube blow up, penis grabbing, as he puts in parentheses, and we have never seen Cowton show one bit of frustration or passion from the bench. Thanks and keep up the great work. That's from TJ in Atlanta. TJ, I've gotten this question before, and I, I think it would be disingenuous for Jeremy Cowton to blow his stack on the bench. That seems to me like sort of a last resort, um, I don't really know what else to do kind of a move. And I think if the the players see Jeremy Cowton do something so out of character, instead of reacting positively to it, they're going to look at him and say, oh boy, this is his last ditch effort to sort of get us going or to, you know, he's, he's going to his last trick in the bag. Totally out of character for him. So, look, if the Hawks wanted a hot-headed coach, they would have hired one. Jeremy Cowton is not a hot-headed coach, not by any means. So, I know it can be frustrating, and there have been times where I've watched the games and said, hey, Jeremy, it'd be nice to see you, like, you know, just let a referee know you're annoyed. Like, that'd be cool now and again, but he's just an even-keel guy. And if he remains the Blackhawks coach while this young part of the team develops, Doc and Boquist and Strom and DeBrinkett and some other guys, maybe, just maybe, if he does hang on to his job, and we don't know what what's what the case will be, but if he does hold on to his job, down the road when the Hawks are ready to compete again, we might look at that even keel nature and appreciate it a little bit. I know what you're saying. I have been frustrated with his lack of passion as well, but again, we're looking at things from a position of anger. 
I think the fact that he has stayed true to himself from the day he's been hired until now is a good thing. I don't want to see my coach panicking or grasping at straws to try to get a win. Stay even keel. You've got a veteran team. And uh, look, those guys are sticking up for themselves. Taves is out there. Keith's out there talking. I'm sure Mark Crawford is making some noise on the bench as well. It's just not in Jeremy Cowton's personality to go blasting an official. Um, if it happens, we'll know it was really, really bad. But I just don't see it. It's just not his personality. And I hate this argument, but it has to be mentioned. Tom Landry was a hell of a football coach that showed zero emotion ever. So keep that in mind. And Lovey Smith for the Bears was a guy who never got mad on the sidelines. But you t- listen to his former players talk about him. They, lo- I'm not saying this about Jeremy Cowton. Don't get me wrong. But they loved Lovey Smith like a father. The worst thing they could do is to disappoint him. So it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily need a yelling and screaming head coach. If a referee makes a mistake, they know it. Trust me. All right, next question here comes from Jeff. It's a multiple part question, so I'll sort of tackle them one by one. Jeff says, hey, Jay, it's been a slow morning, and that game last night just frustrated the hell out of me. Wanted to get a few thoughts out for Talk Back Tuesday. He says, do you think there's any chance to bring its name ends up in any serious trade talks? Get a first-round pick and a prospect since he has the capacity to, to score but has lost something this season. Change the scenery situation for him? He's almost playing scared like someone snake bit. That's the first question from Jeff. I would be really hesitant to trade Alex to bring it right now. Keep in mind that four months ago, as the season was beginning, we all talked about, we all thought about Alex DeBrinkett as a potential 50-goal scorer. And yes, he's having a down season. There's no doubt about it. He's having a bad year. Snake bit is a really good word for it because that's absolutely what's happened to him this year. But you can't forget what he's done already in his career. And you can't let one season change the way you think about that player. You just can't. It would be irresponsible to give up on a guy who has scored 41 goals last year, 28 goals a year before. He's 23 years old. He's 20, yeah, 22, 23. He's 22 years old. I don't care what you trade him for, a uh, number one pick and a prospect. Chances are neither of those will develop into a 40-goal scorer. So as frustrating as DeBrinkett's season has been so far, and I get it, I'm not trading him just yet. I'm holding on to him. Next question, could Connor Murphy be the surprise trade if the team keeps slipping, give the kid a chance to get to the playoffs finally and play for a pretty good team? Here's the thing with that. You need people to play. You need guys on your team that you can count on. And you've got an aging Duncan Keith, who's been pretty good for the most part this year. He was down a little bit over the last few games and had a, a little bit a few months ago where he wasn't great. But overall, he's had a pretty solid season. You've got to keep guys around that you like. And I know it's tempting right now to trade everybody. I know it's tempting. And I know we all want something to happen. We want to shake things up. But again, what are the odds of whatever you trade Connor Murphy for coming back and being as good as Connor Murphy? He's a really solid number three defenseman. Granted, they don't really have a number one or two, but Murphy's a really solid defenseman who's been really good this year. I'm not just rushing to trade him just for the hell of it. If some team wants to give me a top prospect and a high pick, I'll think about it. 
but you need bodies. You're not going to trade Taves. You're not going to trade Kane. So you've got to try to at least get in the playoffs while these guys still have something left in the tank. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember Friday's Madhouse Podcast, Hot Mike Broadcast. Download that Hot Mike app at hotmike.io. Use the promo code MADHOUSE. Let's get our first voicemail of the show. Hello, Jay. It's Bob from Palatine. Quick question. It looks like the Maple Leafs were pretty desperate to get a goalie, and we have two good ones. Do you think either Crawford or Leonard was made available by the Blackhawks? And quick follow-up, if Jack Crawford doesn't do well in the first couple weeks, could that be a possibility? I wouldn't mind seeing Rasmus Sandin in the Indian head sweater. Bob, thanks for the great question. If the Maple Leafs are going to give the Blackhawks Rasmus Sandin for one of the goalies, you absolutely pull the trigger on that. It's a 19-year-old defenseman. He's played 20 games this season for the Leafs. He's got seven points. He's a minus one. Don't worry about the numbers. This is a really solid defensive prospect the Hawks are aside from Adam Boquist and Ian Mitchell sort of lacking on the defensive end if they're going to give you somebody in exchange like a young potential star player in exchange for a goalie that's about to walk away anyway you absolutely make a trade like that I would not hesitate it might be a tough pill to swallow right now because you don't want to trade Robin Leonard you don't want to trade Corey Crawford but if any team comes in a Blackhawks with a prospect like that Looking to make a trade at the deadline, you 100% make that deal. Bob, thank you so much for the question. Next question here comes from Nathaniel. He says, here's the reason I don't believe Stan Bowman is going to get fired. The Alex Nylander for Henry Okaharu trade was for the future. Plenty of D coming in the pipeline, just not NHL ready. Not many forward prospects in the pipeline. You don't make that trade unless you feel secure in your job. Well, Here's where I sort of disagree with you on that one, Nathaniel, and thank you for the email. That move was done because the Hawks were not in love with Henry Okaharu's game. Right or wrong, better or worse, they thought that it was not going to work out for Henry Okaharu here. And part of that's Jeremy Cowton, part of that is Stan Bowman. I have said since the day they made that trade that they should have gotten more back for Henry Okaharu. There's no doubt about that. If you had told me that morning the Hawks were going to trade Henry Okaharu, what would you expect them to get back? I would have said, oh man, at least a first round pick and a top prospect. Well, Alex Nylander, whether you love him or hate him, is not either of those things. And the other thing you said, Nathaniel, it's a trade for the future. Alex Nylander is a year older than Henry Okaharu. So... I don't know. I, I, I don't I wouldn't read that much into it. I think that Bowman sort of felt like he had to move on from Yokoharu. I think he pulled the trigger too quickly. I think he panicked and thought that like the whole league was gonna find out that Henry Yokoharu can't play. Well guess what? He can play. He's doing pretty well in Buffalo. Um so I, I don't know. Maybe Stan Bowman's not gone. You might be right, but I don't know if that trade in particular would be an indicator one way or the other. Next question here comes from Matt. From the Northwest Suburbs, Matt, thanks for the email. He says, really appreciate your work on the podcast. Oh, stop it. I was reading an article by Ben Pope about how the trades the Devils completed this past Sunday, Coleman and Green, raised the value of potential trade candidates for the Hawks like Gustafson and possibly Saad. I was wondering if you agree with that theory. For example, does the push Gustafson to a first and maybe a decent prospect 
And would Saad get you a first plus prospect plus expiring deal to get the money to work? Look forward to hearing from you. It's tough to say. You know, you're right about that New Jersey trade. That was a big uh, return going back the other way. A first-round pick, like you said. The Lightning acquiring Blake Coleman, and they gave up foot in a first-round pick in that deal. And Coleman's a good player. There's no doubt about that. But it's just, it's really hard to sort of predict how things are going to go here. You know, it's, I don't know. If you're, you got to think of it from another GM's point of view. Do you think Eric Gustafson is worth a first round pick? And maybe we're so close to the situation that we can't see it realistically, right? Maybe we're seeing it with the lenses of knowing and remembering every one of Eric Gustafson's glaring mistakes. And as much as we want to believe that teams trading for players have done all the research, they watched all the tape. We know that's not always the case. We know some moves are made for the sake of making a move. Or I need an offensive defenseman. Who's available? Uh, Eric Gustafson. Great. Yeah, let's get him. I don't know. Would it shock me if he was traded for a first-round pick? No. It would be a bit surprising. But it's all going to depend on how this trade deadline goes. If you see teams up against the deadline who have not been able to get things done, they will sometimes feel that pressure from the fan base. They'll feel that pressure from the media just to get something done, and they might panic to do something like that. That's one thing I'll give Stan Bowman some credit for. He doesn't panic at the trade deadline and just do something to do something. Most of the trades he's made, whether they've worked or not, aside from the Dale Weiss for Philip Deneau trade, which was brutal, but that was, from all reports, that was a Joel Quenville idea, by the way. He, he, he makes sensible moves at the deadline. So... I don't think you're going to see, you know, on Monday, a total sell-off or a total stamp pad. I think he'll do sort of what I reported a couple weeks ago. If they like what they get back, they'll make the trades. If not, they'll stamp pat and see what they can do. I personally think standing pat's a mistake. I don't know if they should do a total sell-off, but I think Gustafson and one of the goalies should go on trade deadline day at the very, very least. One more segment to go here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Remember, if you want to leave a voicemail, you want to leave an email, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. The phone number is 708-653-0572. Those voice memos work terrific as well, so make sure you get your questions in for next week. Reminding you, Friday's episode, episode 100, a very special guest will be joining the podcast that day. You are not going to want to miss it. I think universally, Blackhawks fans will agree and love the guests we're going to have on Friday right ahead of the trade deadline. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to reveal who that guest will be. Maybe I just won't. Maybe you'll just have to hit play on the podcast and find out who it is. But once you do, you will be very, very pleased. All right, let's take another voicemail question. This one comes from Pete. Hey, Jay. Uh, This is Pete. Chicago... uh... Hawks fan transplanted here down in Nashville, Predator country. My question is about Leonard. Obviously, the guy has been standing on his head. It's tremendous. Uh, I think we have to trade him. I've seen a couple of Rockford games. Uh, Lankinen looks like the real deal. What would it take to, uh, or what would we get for Leonard, do you think? Because there are some teams that could really use him, put him over the hill. Um what do you think we could get for Leonard? And what do you think Crawford? Because if we brought Crawford back for, like, say, like two years, six mil to, like, uh, Tudor Lincoln, in, 
that could be what we we do to free up the cap space uh, or some cap space. Uh, let me know your opinion. Love the show. Thanks, Pete, again from Nashville. Pete from Nashville, thank you so much for the voicemail. I can tell you're from Chicago, my friend. You've got a thick Bears accent that I very much appreciate and adore. My friend, F-R-E-N-T. That is the proper spelling for all Bears fans. Uh, Robin Leonard. Uh, I believe that if the Blackhawks have convinced themselves that they're not a playoff team, which is not an unreasonable conclusion to reach, they will get the most by trading Robin Leonard. I don't think there's much question about that. He is their most valuable trade piece. Could that warrant a number one pick? Uh, Bob earlier mentioned the Maple Leafs looking for a goalie. The Carolina Hurricanes are a potential cup team that lack a star goalie. You want to find a team that could possibly overpay for Robin Leonard? Carolina is an option. And overpayments, that's the good thing about being a seller at the trade deadline because you can find a team to give you a lot before that trade is made. So, I don't know. It's At the same time, Carolina doesn't want to give up too much and cost themselves any of the talent on the roster. But just in general, if the Hawks have made up their mind they're going to sell, Robin Leonard is the piece, in my opinion, that will get you the most back. And what about this? How about some team wants to load up for the playoffs? How about you give them Leonard and Gustafson and get a King's Ransom in return for those two? Think about this. Think about the Blackhawks, you know, in years past, loading up for a playoff run. They never really needed a goalie. They always had they had Niemi, they had Crawford. They were always pretty set in goal, right? But just adding a star forward and star defenseman saying, heading into the playoffs, that is a huge boost mentally. It's a huge boost to the roster. And maybe if you feel that your team is a player or two away from the Stanley Cup, you give up a lot to make it happen and a lot to win the day in, in, at the trade deadline. To me, Leonard is the most valuable piece. And if they've decided that, yes, we are going to sell, or at least, you know, not a total rebuild, but we're going to sell, then absolutely Robin Leonard should be a name you consider and probably prioritize because you're going to get the biggest return for him. Next email. It's a long one again. Comes from Cowan in Pittsburgh. He said he wanted to leave a voice memo but didn't want to let me edit it. Didn't want to make me edit it. I appreciate that. He said, while the Vancouver game was a solid effort with a poor result, the season seems about over, which raises a few questions. If they miss the playoffs, Stan Bowman seems certain to be out, probably Cowlton too. So do you allow Bowman to make the decisions on trade deadline deals? Would he be necessarily looking out for the best for the future of the organization, or would he be looking to save his job? While I wouldn't necessarily remove him now, he will he will obviously be dealing from a weakened position with a little desperation. Wouldn't other GMs take advantage of that? That has been a fear of mine, Colin, all season. And not just other GMs taking advantage of that. I think Stan Bowman's a smart guy. He's not going to get fleeced. He's not going to let some GM take advantage of his status, which remains a mystery. Um, there's been no vote of confidence from the Blackhawks, who are pretty quick in terms of giving votes of confidence. Um, but again, like at the same time, as much as I believe that they missed the playoffs again, that Bowman has to be gone, I would not be at all shocked if he was back. It just, they have not spoken a lot about accountability on his end. And I don't know. 
I don't know if you the fear you're feeling that I felt a little bit this year if it's just going to be trade some guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents for the best packages you can get I don't think Stan Bowman's going to really butcher that right but as far as any sort of franchise altering moves like trading Keith trading Taves trading Kane I don't think any of those things are going to happen but even like a Strom type move that might be something you leave if you're going to fire the GM you bring the new GM have him have him evaluate the team or her could be a woman him or her come evaluate the team and decide what they want to do from there I do not let him make any big moves if I'm looking to move on from him or even considering it second part of the question from uh, Colin is is it time to blow it all up nothing seems to be working there are a few players who are doing well but overall I don't see many people that are irreplaceable Kane Taves and Keith deserve to finish their careers as Blackhawks you're kind of stuck with Seabrook and Shaw at this point Bogus and Dawkins stay re-sign Kubelik I like Kajula if he's cheap but beyond that I don't see anyone as irreplaceable he goes on to mention Brandon Saad and Alex Debrinkit. I mentioned Debrinkit earlier I'm not trading him I'm just not I'm not giving up on a guy after one down year uh, when he's 21 years old, 22 years old. There's no no way, especially for a guy who scored 41 goals, you're never going to get value back for trading a player like that. That's why I'm, as a Cub fan, so against the Chris Bryant potential trade because I feel like whatever they trade him for, it will they'll not get Chris Bryant back. And I feel the same way for Alex Dabrinkit. I don't care what prospect you're trading for, chances are he will not be a 40-goal scorer. So as for Saad... If someone's going to knock your doors off, go for it. You might be able to get more for Saad in the summer, too. Um, but he's not off the table for me. But it's got to be a lot. I think you're a better team with Brandon Saad on it. But, again, if some team's going to blow you away, I think you got to do it. Thank you for the question. I know there's a lot more there, Colin, but i got to get through everybody's uh, emails here. So I'll send you a response via email. Next email comes from Marty. He says, if you've done this already, please forgive me. When you have a lull in Blackhawks news, could you explain how you watch the Hawks as an analyst instead of watching a game like I would as a fan? That's an interesting question. I don't think I watch differently now than I ever did before. I think the only difference would be if there's someone who's been a story lately. Like I find myself when Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist are on the ice that I sort of isolate on them. I try to watch everything they do on those shifts just to sort of see how they're progressing as players the one tip I give people is to not watch the puck the camera will let you know where the puck is but watch behind the play watch the players that are entering into the zone it's much easier to do in person and people mock me but I love sitting up high at Hawks games the 300 level is great because you can see the entire play develop that's really how I became um that like where I had my biggest growth and knowledge of the game was in the early 2000s going to Hawks games, sitting in the 300 level behind the net, watching plays unfold from blue from you know goal line to goal line. And that's where you really pick up on the game. But on TV, I would say try not to get mesmerized by the puck and watch the players that are coming in. You know, if, like, if Patrick Kane has the puck along the boards on a power play, look what the other players are doing. See where they're going. See where they're trying to go. And see, you know, there from there you can sort of see how the plays develop and what the team's trying to do from there. Good question, Marty. I hope I answered it for you in an acceptable manner. Final question of the show comes from Grace. Grace, thank you so much for the email. Grace says, huge fan of the podcast. I just want to get your thoughts on how Doc's development has been going. 
Also, is it just me or are Stroman to Brinkett kind of lacking an energy effort on the ice sometimes? In the game against Winnipeg, I couldn't help but think they looked a little lazy on the line with Doc. He's always going against the boards, taking hits and winning the battles. I know Cat and Strom aren't known for their physicality, but I would like to see them show a little more defensive effort. Strom is a third overall pick like Doc, and I don't see him using his big frame like Doc is learning to. Thanks for all you do. Love the podcast. Grace. Thank you, Grace. Um, I've talked about Doc's development a lot. I think it is happening the way it should. It is, uh, like I say a lot, it's not linear. It's not going to be a straight arrow up. There's going to be good games. There's going to be bad games. But for the most part, he's been getting better and better and better and better. There's no doubt about that. I think he's uh, been playing his best hockey of the season lately. I think he had his best period as a Blackhawk against the Jets. Uh, I think he's really coming along well. And when you look at the rookie scores, the number one, number two, and number three pick this season, Jack Hughes, who is considered, rightfully so, a generational talent, seven goals, 13 assists, minus 20 for the New Jersey Devils. Capocacco with the New York Rangers, eight goals, 11 assists, minus 22. Kirby Doc for the Blackhawks, eight goals, 11 assists, minus one. So he's one point behind Hughes. He is tied with Kako in points and goals. And uh, those two guys are a minus 42 combined. Doc is a minus one. So when you look at the top three picks this year, Doc has probably had the most impressive season. And yeah, he's you know getting a ton of ice time and, and playing well. But those two guys, Kako and Hughes, were expected to be great right away. And I still think when everything shakes out, those two guys will probably be better than Kirby Doc. But the fact that at such a young age, Doc has been able to come in and hold his own. And look, this is how prospects typically develop. I think Hawks fans, and I think a lot of new Hawks fans, and I say new meaning people that jumped on during this latest dynasty, and why wouldn't you? They were awesome, and they sucked forever before that, so there's no reason to be a fan before then, really, unless you were around in the 90s when the Hawks were pretty good. But we're sort of spoiled. We've grown up with Taves and Kane coming in and being great immediately. That's pretty rare. Sidney Crosby came out in this era. Connor McDavid came out in this era. Alex Ovechkin came out in this era with a lot of hype. And all of those guys have met the hype. But that's not typical. Your typical prospects take a couple years to develop. So when you look at Hughes, you look at Kako, you look at Doc, those numbers don't jump off the page at you. They're all around 20 points. That's kind of a typical development path. And I like what I've seen from Doc lately. As for your comments on Stroman Debrinkit, I really see Debrinkit fighting it mentally. And this is something I, I would like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to blame Jeremy Cowton for it, but someone needs to get in, in his ear and be like, dude, you know what you're doing. You're fine. Don't worry about it. We understand this, this happens to everybody. I don't know if he's got anyone sort of reassuring him that everything's going to be okay. There was a play in the game against Winnipeg where a goal went off his stick and he just looked at his stick and sort of cursed it. When you've got a guy yelling and talking to inanimate objects, probably not the greatest sign for his confidence. So I think Debrinkit just needs a couple to go in and he'll get right back into it. I also think maybe a little bit, he it came a little bit easy to him early and maybe he didn't prepare like he had to in the past. And maybe that new contract sort of subconsciously has given him a little bit of, I don't know what you would say, uh, satisfaction 
a little bit. Debrinkit, from the day he joined the league, sort of had to prove to everybody that he belonged here. He's a little guy. People thought he wouldn't be able to make it on this level. Now that he's proven them wrong, has he lost a little bit of that fire? I don't know if it's a conscious decision to do that, but that could be a factor. Maybe he just doesn't feel that intensity and that need to prove himself anymore. But a lot of these young players, when they have their first season of struggles, they go through a lot of reevaluation. They look back at the way they prepared for the year, the year before, and they say, all right, you know what? Looking at this, it's kind of obvious that I was due for a bit of a setback, and they change things. Sometimes that's what it takes. Cubs fans this week heard Javier Baez say, you know what? I didn't prepare enough last year. I was allowed to get to games when I wanted to. Batting practice was optional. I took advantage of that, and it cost me. Young players learning what they need to do to stay competitive. The fact that they're aware of it is a good thing. Let's hope Dabrinka can identify what the big issue is and fix it for next season. I have no doubt that he can. As for Strom, I still think Strom is hurt. He came back quickly from a tough injury. Um, The fact that he was healthy scratch tells me something, too. He just doesn't look right out there. Um, It's a guy who last year used his frame to get in front of that. It was something he learned on the job how to do, and it really paid dividends for him. So I'm not giving up on either of those guys yet. Now, I might not be as willing to pay Dylan Strom $6 bucks as I was a few months ago, but I'm not giving up on either Debrinkit or Strom, especially Debrinkit. Um, but yeah, both those guys need to be better. And if the Hawks are going to have a quote-unquote next window of winning, those two guys have to be front and center part of that next wave of great Blackhawks. All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, episode 100 coming up Friday with a very special guest. Think you'll be pleased. Think you're going to like it. It's going to be good stuff. Great guest to have on right before the trade deadline or really any time. So don't miss episode 100. And remember, that night, it is the Madhouse Podcast Hot Mic broadcast. If you've not seen Hot Mic before, let me explain it to you. You download the app. You go to the game. You're going to hit the screen there on your phone or your tablet or your laptop. And there is going to be me and my partner, James Naveau, watching the Hawks game. You can sync up the audio to our feed and it will time out evenly, okay? So we can sort of watch and react to the game together. You can interact with us. There's a chat screen. Um, I'm not sure there's video messaging, but you can definitely talk to us during the game. We'll answer your questions. We'll break down plays in real time. We're going to have some fun. We'll probably crack a few beers. So join us on the Hot Mic app Friday at 7.30 for the Blackhawks and Predators. But we've got a game tomorrow night against the New York Rangers. We will preview that one on tomorrow's episode. But until then... Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.